2019, the war on cars continues apace. On the European front, it's Fjord versus Ford as the Norwegian capital of Oslo takes drastic measures to curtail automobiles. The quaint cobblestone center of this Scandinavian city has been declared off-limits to cars. That's right, no more free parking for you, Mr. Motorist, as the city plans to rip out 700 parking spots. Take that, cars! Just a hop, skip, and a Eurostar ride away in Luxembourg. It's a big win in the war on cars, as this postage stamp-sized country becomes the first in the world to offer free mass transit for everyone. Luxembourg may be small, but it's thinking big. Here on the home front, there's a heartening tale. In humble Scranton, Pennsylvania, one Loretta Nesbitt left her house, got on a bus, went about her business, and returned home on time. This small act of mobility in the electric city will hopefully inspire Loretta's fellow Scrantonians to ditch their cars. Yes, you can liberate yourself from traffic, all by leaving the driving to someone else. So stay strong, America. The war on cars marches on. So this is not Movie Tone News. This is the War on Cars, and I'm Sarah Goodyear. I'm Doug Gordon. And I am Aaron Napperstack. This week, we are talking about the neglected stepchild of public transit, the bus. That's right. The bus may not be sexy, but it is an essential and somewhat underappreciated weapon in the war on cars. I will say I appreciate the bus. I love the bus. I ride the bus multiple times per week. But do you think it's sexy? It can be sexy. I mean, you can meet a lot of sexy people on the bus. The bus itself, sure. perhaps, maybe not as sexy. Sounds like sexy. you're going to get arrested on no, the bus. No, no, no. <laughs> buses, but buses are sexy, and we have proof. We're going to play some of that proof for you later in the episode, but let's get some business out of the way first. Yes. Have you donated to our Patreon campaign yet? For a mere $2 a month, you can enlist as a private in the War on Cars. Get yourself some free stickers. For $15 a month, you are a captain, and you will receive free T-shirts. Yeah, this is so bad. This is terrible. <laughs> free, free t- it's a free T-shirt like with a fifteen dollar donation. The worst salesman ever. Doug okay. is a good salesman. Do you want to give us a Doug? Yeah. You want me to Doug take this? Doug knows how to sell shit. All right, here's how it works. You go to thewaroncars.org. You click on donate. That will take you to Patreon. You can donate two dollars. You get a sticker. Five dollars. You get three stickers. Fifteen dollars. You get a T-shirt. A million dollars, you get whatever the hell you want. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely. Um, so please go to thewaroncars.org, click on donate, donate at Patreon, and we will send you some awesome stuff. Okay, so now we are going to get on the bus. Everybody on. And because we're in New York City, that might be a kind of a slow yes. yeah. ride. Yes, average, <laughs> average speed of approximately 3.2 miles per hour. I was going to say, our podcasts usually are running about 28 to 32 minutes, yep. which in New York is the time it takes you to go between two stops, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> literally one and a half miles yeah. on the M42. Yeah. You can listen to an entire Warren Cars podcast in the time you, it takes you, you to will. get from <laughs> 8th Avenue to 7th Avenue right. on an M14. You will okay. not get all the way across Okay, town. we're not going to be in New York for this episode, actually. I, I want to introduce you to Cam Hardy. A lot of people on this bus is upset. Bus broke down. Who is one of the founders of the Better Bus Coalition, um, which is in Cincinnati, Ohio. He is 29 years old, and he works as a legal assistant. And he 
is deeply versed in all things bus and, and he knows all about all of the problems of the bus. I want to play a bit of video he, he put up on Facebook Live a couple years ago. It was taken while he was on a bus in Cincinnati. Bus broke down. Didn't even get to leave downtown before the bus broke down. Metro supervisor here, so hopefully we get moving soon. But it's 10 till. I should be almost home by now. I haven't even left downtown yet. So he posted that on Facebook Live. What happened with the video? Well, it went, according to him, it went what he and people in that part of the world called Cincinnati viral, which uh-huh. I mean, a few hundred people looked at it and it got some attention. And and then what happens? He founds this group, Better Bus Coalition, or did it exist before? He founds the group with other people and started really actively trying to become a political force that would be able to get candidates to take stands on the bus, to you know work to elect bus advocates. And um, they've had quite a bit of success in that realm. So he starts his activist career just with this Facebook video. He had already been going to meetings about okay. the buses. Like he, he's a longtime bus rider. He's always really cared about the buses. So when I called him, I wanted to talk to him about why it is that buses are so underfunded, why they're in such terrible shape. You know, Cincinnati, that, that system has 13.8 million riders per year. And yet it's chronically underfunded, like bus systems around the country. So one of the first reasons he gave for why the funding is a problem was the way that people see people who ride the bus. There's a stigma that comes with riding the bus. And even your most progressive people fall into the stigma. I think that streetcars and subways and trains are more sexier. (laughs) I mean, they are sexy. And I think that's why a lot of mayors fall for streetcars especially, light rail especially, bike share systems because they're shiny and new and the bus is, you know, it's big and it belches out exhaust and it's not exactly the nicest looking thing. It reminds me a little bit of that apocryphal Margaret Thatcher quote. Do you guys know which one I'm talking about? No. Supposedly, Margaret Thatcher said, a man who beyond the age of 26 finds himself on a bus can count himself as a failure. That's wow. wow, that's terrible. But I don't think she really said that. Yeah. But well, I mean, it's believable that she might have, <laughs> which you know, tells you something. Yeah, exactly. But there is yeah. this stigma. There's like a real stigma. Like the bus is kind of a second class form of transportation in a lot of cities. Well, it's because the people who plan cities see bus riders as second class citizens. So it's a vicious cycle. I mean, you think about a place like London. We were just talking about Margaret Thatcher and the London of today, post congestion pricing, especially. Everybody takes the bus, and and buses are an iconic. The double decker buses are an iconic part of London, as as iconic as Big Ben. And right. here in the states, however, there is that stigma that if you ride the bus, you're poor. And let's face it, you are brown. You are a person of color. You are not a wealthy white person driving to your suburban home from your downtown job. Um, And so there is that stigma attached to it. And Cam spoke to exactly that point. Yeah, well, um, if you look at the statistics of our bus system, 70% of bus riders are African-American. Close to 60% of them are women who are traveling to and from work. So in the minds of a politician, in my opinion, it's easy to exploit those people because they're less likely to be politically inclined. They're less likely to donate to political campaigns. And they're more so likely to just deal with 
the BS that's provided to them. And so that's why we have been in a decades long fight about properly funding public transportation is because the population that this public transportation system serves is easy to exploit them. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how often these these transportation issues become so overtly about race and class. And I, I think back a little bit to Enrique Peñalosa, who was the mayor of Bogota, Colombia in the early 2000s, and actually, again, currently. And he was he spoke very overtly also about making sure that the bus system that they were developing for Bogota at the time, called the Transmillennio, that it was going to be a kind of high class, high status system, but for everyone. Mm-hmm. And that it was in direct competition with wealthier people who were traveling in their own cars. And that mm. he wanted to make the bus a better experience for bus passengers, you know, right. with less money than the people who'd be traveling in the cars next to the bus. Yeah. And Cam, again, actually talks about the issue of how public transportation is an equity issue. It's, it's, a, it's an issue of, of access to jobs and the kind of things that allow you to get ahead economically for people who don't have cars. Truth be told, I could probably go out and buy a car for myself tomorrow and be done, you know, but it's bigger than me. I don't I don't own a car. I don't feel like I should have to own a car. You don't have to, uh, you know, uh, a barrier to prosperity should not be lack of public transportation. Yeah, that's it in a nutshell, right? Like it is bonkers that the price of admission to most cities is an automobile to living in society, participating in society. Yeah is a $40,000 car or even a $4,000 car. It is kind of nuts that that is the ticket that we charge you to buy if you want to participate. It's especially crazy when you go to Ohio and you look around at the highways and suburban arterials that have been built even just in the last 30 years. Right. So much money is being poured into car infrastructure still in Ohio that's the money that could be spent on on these transit systems. Yeah, there was just a study done that showed that Ohio is 14th in the nation for transit ridership, and it is 45th in the nation for spending on transit. So that's what Cam is up against. And in his own life, he talks about how liberating it is to not own a car, not just in terms of his stress level, but also economically, like what it allows him to do. I know how to drive. I have a driver's license, but, you know, I don't want to have to pay $200 a month to park where I work downtown. You know, I just think that that's ridiculous. $70 a month for a bus pass or $200 a month for a parking pass. (laughs) You know, I'm able to put that money into my living, my quality of life where I live. You know what I'm saying? Like when I had a car, I I had a crappy apartment, but I'm able to put that money to where I live. So I have a nice apartment. I live in a decent neighborhood, you know, and things like that. Yeah. It's just math. It's like, it's like if you don't pay $40,000 for a car, then you can live in a decent place. Or, you know, let's say you can't afford a $40,000 car. You're going to be driving a crappy car that's breaking down all the time that you have to pay to fix all the time. It's stranding you everywhere anyway. Look, even if you get a car for free gifted to you and the taxes are paid for or whatever, you still have to pay gas, Occasional maintenance, even if it works really well, 
You have to pay insurance on that thing, a couple hundred bucks a month, depending on where you live. So yeah, that adds up after a while. Was it, wasn't that the scandal of Oprah's, you know, you get a car and you get a car and you get, and then, you know, people were like, yeah, I got a car. And then they got home and they were like, wait, now I have to buy insurance yeah, and we, I have to we, park it and We pay should gas. do a whole episode uh, deconstructing that moment because I think that is exactly right. They got the cars and there was a huge tax that they had to pay because basically it's like winning a prize on a game show. But yeah, it, it's all of these hidden car- costs that go into car ownership. So Cam sees the upside of the bus, even though the bus system sucks in Cincinnati. But how do we get other people to see the upside of the bus? First of all, you have to improve bus service, right? That's that's going to be the thing. And how are you going to improve bus service? The, the sad fact of America is that bus service in places like Cincinnati probably will not improve until rich white gentrifiers move into more neighborhoods, as they are in many places, including Cincinnati, and start demanding better bus service. Because mm-hmm. like he said... You have a system that's, what, he said 70% African-American ridership. It's not like there aren't a lot of people already reliant on the bus, but it's going to take people with the time and, frankly, the money to influence politicians. And at least the way it works in America is that a lot of those people tend to be white. So there is that. Um, well, and that, and that is happening in, in Cincinnati. I mean, there is a real move back to the downtown, mm-hmm. um, to the over the Rhine neighborhood, which mm-hmm. is where in 2001, there were some pretty bad, you know, riots and unrest after like a young African-American man unarmed was shot by police. And one of the things they're doing in that neighborhood, which is like just north of the central business district, is they're, they've built a streetcar system. Mm. So in a way, it's like, you know, it's a different mode of transport that is maybe more appealing to uh, white collar people. Yeah. But are there examples of places in the United States where where systems have been improved or are there people who have a good kind of model for doing that? Yeah. I mean, a couple of years ago, I got the chance to meet Jarrett Walker, who's the author of this book and blog called Human Transit. And he does a lot of consulting uh, on bus systems around the country. And he has a really strong set of rules that he applies to cities that are trying to revamp their bus system. And one of them I think is most interesting is sort of a clean slate approach. So he'll get all of the different stakeholders, people who work in the transit agency and local business people and residents and riders, get them sit at the table together. And they'll just think like, look, like if we could start this bus system over again, how would we do it, you know, based on today's travel patterns and where the jobs are and where people live? Because in a lot of cases, these bus systems are still running along, you know, horse-drawn omnibus routes from 100 years ago. This notion of being able to get transit agency bureaucrats to sit down and just for a moment not think about all of the constraints they usually deal with, the political constraints and technical and funding constraints, just be like, how would we redesign the system? And that approach has had really good success in Houston, Seattle, Dublin, Ireland, and Columbus, Ohio, like mm-hmm. a number of cities. Right. So it's doable. Like the the bus, and it turns out that like fixing the bus is relatively fast and cheap, certainly compared to repairing a, a subway system. That this is something that cities can do relatively quickly and cheaply. I mean, the thing is with what Cam was saying, though, however, was that his bus broke down. So. I don't know anything about the route that he takes. It might be perfectly fine and speedy and reliable if the bus is working. But when you have a system that is underfunded or neglected and your actual equipment breaks down, I don't know if it matters if you're going in a straight line, a zigzag, or they're just dropping the bus like straight onto your house so you can get off. 
Um, <laughs> you know, I, that, I think that's part of it too, is that part of the stigma that it comes from the bus in most cities is that the bus itself smells uh, it yep. is old. It yep. it is unreliable. You know, here in New York, the buses are actually pretty nice, and our good governor loves painting them blue and yellow yeah. and giving you things like USB chargers, yeah. and they're clean. But the problem with them is the traffic. But in other places, it's much more complicated right. than that. You know, in in San Francisco, the Muni, the buses aren't that nice. In a lot of places, uh, in Los Angeles, that's changing but there are a lot of routes where the the actual bus itself is well and, and now not pleasant and now buses are competing with uber and lyft and right. that's kind of becoming the big threat to the bus i mean i could say nice things about the san francisco bus system if <laughs> yeah. you know no, I, i've used it, and it's, it i mean reliable. i guess what i would like to say in favor of the san francisco bus system is that it is functional enough that it is one of the reasons that San Francisco is one of the very, very, very few cities in this country that you can live in without a car. So I don't want to get yeah, down I, the San Francisco bus system. I like San Francisco. Really Some of my best friends are from San Francisco. Oh, yeah. But we do have to <laughs> I do, insult I, a city. I mean, it's every just... episode, and this week it was San Francisco. Okay. I do love the idea that our our glowing endorsement of the bus system in San Francisco is it's functional enough. Right. Yeah. I, I also think like our insulting of cities can be completely ignorant. It can be based on you know, oh, I will like absolutely errors is. and mistakes. I embrace you know. my ignorance, uh, but it inspires me to learn more about the mistakes that I make here, and it's all captured. Yeah. So you can call me on it. Yeah. Okay. Well, so okay, so that's the thing. Even if you do clean up the buses themselves and you get right. new equipment and new right. machines and new right. buses and it's shiny and it's new, there's still this lingering stigma that the buses stink. So right. how do you how do you change that image for the bus itself if you've improved the system? Well, and there's some other cities that are doing a really good job of making their buses, you know, sexy and fun and interesting. One example that comes, do we want to go Toronto first? Yeah, let's do Toronto first. Go Transit, uh, that's the regional transit authority uh, in the Toronto area, put out this ad. Aaron is going to do the voiceover because I think his voice really goes best with this particular vibe that okay. the ad has. Should I try to do my Danish accent? No, no, this isn't the I Danish know, I know, one. I know, yeah, I know. But this I'll is my Canadian. Most vehicles demand all your senses. Headlights. Here's one that requires none of them. It has a name. Lightning. The bus. So we're seeing an awesome bus, lights flashing. It looks like it's in like in an airplane hangar. It's amazing. It's like the self-driving car has arrived early and we saved you a seat. Yeah, and then it lights up. Wow. Close your eyes. Rest your head. Browse. Memes of cats. <laughs> There's a picture of a cat. Experience the bus. The go bus. It's time to enjoy the ride. Go. The Go Bus. Now we should add that I think this aired or was first shown at a mobility conference. Oh yeah, okay. For things like, you know, micro mobility, e-scooters, and of course, 
driverless cars. So they're making this pitch that we kind of already have driverless cars. It's called the bus. <laughs> right. It's yeah. got a driver, but if you have lots of people on it, it might as well just be a driverless car. Um, and they're trying to make it as sexy, as awesome as taking a Lyft or an Uber or Elon Musk's Hyperloop, if that ever comes. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I think I think it's a pretty effective ad if you're at all inclined to take the bus, which I think, you know, it's interesting. My kid is 17, and he said to me the other day, he was taking a bus in New York, and he said, oh, mom, it's really great. They have, like, USB ports and Wi-Fi and, like... And I wonder if you could sell them on a bus. They don't have necessarily all the preconceptions that older people have. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm going to do my mini rant on USB ports on buses. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. I want a USB port on a bus that takes me from New York to Boston, a four hour ride, because I'm going to need it because my battery is going to drain. If I'm on a bus in a city, in a metro area, and I need a fucking USB port to charge my phone, that's a sign that the bus takes too damn long. No, that's a sign that you have a phone that's as old as mine that, like, loses charge after 20 minutes. That may, be all, that may also be true. My phone is pretty old. But, you know, like, I don't want to be on the bus in the city long enough to uh, have okay. my battery drain right. to, okay. to 10%. Yeah. So I, I get that that's appealing, but I don't think it would be appealing if you're like, well, it took me, you know, 10 minutes to go five stops. Great. I wouldn't need it. Well, but right. you, yes. you do get to a point there where it would be nice if we started to reconceive streets as people movers, yes. right? So that it's not just this sort of platform of asphalt for private cars, but that there's a constant steady flow of vehicles that's really easy to get on and off. Uh, maybe you don't even have to pay, or if you do, you just have to like tap a card and hop on. And it just moves you that like a street should be a people mover. Okay. And right now, buses are the vehicles that we have on streets to do that. But they're stuck in traffic. They're not really moving people. Yeah, that's. I think the thing with those ads is you can throw millions of dollars into an ad and hundreds of thousands of dollars into airing it on your local TV network. But if you see that ad and you're enticed to go on the bus and then you get on the bus and you're stuck in traffic... To me, it would be like seeing those Whopper commercials where the, like, the burger just falls beautifully into the bun and the lettuce looks crisp. And so then you go to Burger King and you order the Whopper yeah. and it's just soggy and it's disgusting looking. You're never going back again. It's you know false advertising. So I, I can't speak to Toronto's bus system with <laughs> any expertise, but that yeah. won't stop me. No, uh, I mean... But I think there is a danger of investing too much into the bus's image and not into the reality of what it's like to ride the bus, which is why I think Cam's video was so right. effective. I mean, here right. in New York, the, I think the thing that turned the tide for the subways um, and getting the mayor and the governor to pay attention to them was wiring the subways yeah. for internet access. Yeah. Now, the bus doesn't have that problem because you're above ground and you can get a signal. But the viral nature of being able to post a frustrating video on Facebook or Twitter or anywhere, that, you know, obviously it served Cam well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I hear you on the advertising thing. After all, we were just critiquing false advertising in our Super Bowl advertisement episode showing cars as if they were magic carpets. And of course, they're not. But I did want to show this other ad that actually a lot of people have tweeted at the war on cars. Uh, it's listed on YouTube under like, epic Danish bus ad. And we're going to get Doug to narrate it because his his voice is actually a very close match. Maybe you have some Danish ancestry, Doug. I don't know. I, anyway, I, okay. I definitely right. My bubby would probably say no. <laughs> okay, let's see it. So it's like field, cloudy skies, thunder. There's something in the road. Oh, it's a man. It's a man listening 
listening to the road. And he approaches a group of people. Thumbs up. Mid Traffic presenter. Mid Traffic presents. Bussen. The bus. This is like slow motion. People running to it. They're excited. I'm cool. That's the driver talking. Yep. Very nice seats. You see this attractive woman, like, in the throes of passion. Panorama windows with impressive views. This is all the narration. More beautiful women. Designer bells with cool functions. Pressing the stop button. Kids playing and hanging on the straps. It's big and long. Get it? It's big and long. Oh, yeah. Women women showing the size. It has its own lane. See, because in Denmark, they do. They give them their own lane. Guys on motorcycles doing a spit take when they see this beautiful bus doing donuts in the parking lot. It is street, was the voiceover. And then you see it doing, like, hyperdrive down the highway. The bus driver. I'm still cool. The bus is cool. People are... And then mobbing each other to get in. Mid-traffic. We will drive you. Yeah, that's awesome. And and actually in Denmark, maybe maybe the bus delivers on that. The I don't know. Is, the bus is I, I think that's different. I think if you order if you order a Whopper in Copenhagen and you go to Burger King, <laughs> it looks like it does on the commercials. I think does that it? is okay. really uh, maybe. We'd love to hear from any of our Danish listeners who who want to push back on on the bus the representation there. Is the bus really that good in Denmark? I'd be very interested to know if some of these same class issues are as strong in, in in countries even where the bus is better as it presumably is there. Okay, so that's Denmark, which we all know is pretty great for transportation. Let's get back to Cam. Is his advocacy working? Is he getting results? Are things starting to change? Yeah, I mean, according to him, things are starting to change and they're changing because the Better Bus Coalition is making it clear that there is a constituency for buses. You know, I was just a frustrated guy, you know, on the bus, and it kind of really just snowballed from there. I think that this is an issue that really had no champion for it. And everyone knew that the issue existed, but when no one knew how to solve it. And so, you know, it took just an ordinary person such as myself, you know, I don't, I'm not an, I'm not a political, uh, you know, uh, person. I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not in office or anything. Um, it took someone like me to kind of raise awareness around it, and it's been pretty good. You know, we're a force now, and, you know, they can't they can't make any decisions on transportation without coming through the Better Bus Coalition, and it's pretty it's pretty cool to see that. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's a hard fight, but I don't think he's giving up anytime soon. So that's it for this week in the War on Cars. If you want to find out more about Cam Hardy and the Better Bus Coalition or watch those ads without our narration, we'll post links in the show notes. And if you want to tell us what's going on with the bus in your city or town, you can uh, send us your stories, your questions, your suggestions at thewaroncars at gmail.com. Tweet us at the War on Cars. Also, don't forget, uh, we need your dollars. You can go to our Patreon account by going to thewaroncars.org and you click on Donate and it will take you there and you get stickers and t-shirts and, and love from us. This episode was recorded by our producer, Curtis Fox. Our theme music was composed by Nathaniel Goodyear. Our logo is by Danny Finkel of Crucial D. I'm Doug Gordon. I'm Sarah Goodyear. I'm Aaron Napperstack. And we want you. 
in the war on carbs. Here on the home front, though, there's trouble. In sun-kissed Arizona, a shadowy group called Building a Better Phoenix wants anything but, as it mounts a full-scale assault on light rail in that city. This is no ordinary organization. It's funded by some very dark money indeed, the Koch brothers. Yes, these oily oligarchs want you to be stuck in traffic. Tax dollars for trains? It's a bridge too far for these lousy libertarians. So stay strong, Phoenicians, or whatever you call yourselves. The war on cars marches on.